when we are in community and sharing story with other people, um, we, we, we gain a broader view of God's creation. And it's not just all my story, right? Welcome to the Caring Congregation podcast. We exist to educate and equip pastors and congregational care ministers to develop and implement your own congregational care ministry. And we provide ongoing training and resources to existing care ministers and ministries. And we have this podcast because we want to share our stories and our resources and best practices with you um, while elevating other voices um, in the care arena. And we just want to walk alongside pastors and laity caring for God's people during this time. My name is Reverend Melissa Collier-Getford. And I'm Reverend Laura Berg. And today's episode, we are going to be talking all about the imp- the power of story, the importance of it, why stories matter. We'll share a little bit about our own stories, and then we'll talk a little bit about what it means for you to develop your own story and how to listen to others. So, Laura, when I think about stories, I mean, that's really kind of the entire human experience, isn't it? We, we think about story. Our history is story, and we love good, good stories. And so um, I, I just want to hear from you a little bit. Why Why are stories so powerful, and why do they matter so much? For me, I think the, the main reason for uh, the importance of the story is the connection. Um, I think it's rooted in connection. I think it's connection that is already there. Um, it's it's to me, incarnational, um, if I can use that word. It's, yeah. uh, it, it is that indwelling in us that it, that really does reveal the, the wholeness of who we are. Um, but it gives us the opportunity to see those shadow places in our story or those bumps in our story and then learn about them and to share them, but to also be open. I think it connects us to not only a to ourselves and to our relationship with God, um, but it's a connection to others. Um, if if we can reach that point where we can share those stories, it allows us not only to tell our story as we've come to own it and grow and learn in it, um, but also to develop an opportunity to listen well to others' stories. Um, we may not have the same events in our lives, but we definitely share uh, same experiences that you that really do unite us, find a common thread uh, that these stories do. And I think then ultimately it connects us to a grander story um, that's yet to be told. Um, it pulls us into the future. Yeah, that reminds me. I mean, the entire Old Testament is just the same story t- told and retold over and over again that the 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 Jewish people were the people of God chosen by God through Abraham and and God was with them through the Exodus and and then the story continues and we see over and over again time and time again throughout 
generations where the people gather to hear that same story over and over again. We we tell the same stories year in and year out around Christmas time and Easter and you know so so there is something powerful that about about stories that unite us as people. It reminds us who we are even. Um, and I love that you said it's incarnational. When you say that, um, what do you mean by that? I think what I um, have come to understand is uh, a lot of the part of my individual story, my own story, that I felt needed to be separate and apart from who I felt I needed to be in society um, Mm -hmm. as a woman, as a mother, as a spouse, uh, as a clergy person, all of these different roles that I played. There was parts of story that I felt needed to be separate and apart. Um, Realizing this, uh, if if I may, that the God in us and in all things, um, that's my deep rootedness in theology is is that space where God dwells within the the spirit that is within Mm. that also has a longing for me to hear uh, an addendum to the story. Sometimes I think we tell ourselves. So that incarnational Mm. spirit that dwells in us, that helps us um, to be able to sometimes go to revisit those places in our past, or maybe even let's take the Old Testament, the stories that we've heard and how we've interpreted those stories yeah. um, sometimes might be a trigger point to me that would say, ooh, I fall into this category of unworthiness because of this and this and this that I've done in my life. And so I resonate with those persons that are waiting for this great judgment thing to happen hmm. or the shoe to fall or for me to say that grace can only enter my story to a certain point and then I've run out of grace. And so I think as we, as, as, as we are retelling stories from what we've experienced, what we, what we have learned in the past, we also have to stay in that um, move from a learned to sometimes an unlearning to a retelling so that we hear the real story that God God holds for us. And we do that as we communicate human to human, person to person uh, in life's experiences. Yeah, that that's so good. So so we have our we have the stories that we tell ourselves sometimes that need to be reframed and 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 when we reframe them within ourselves, then we can share that that story with others in a way that is incarnational um, being with people. And I love that you said like finding and and recognizing the God within, because when I think one way that we can recognize the God within others is to share stories and, and, and to, to connect our stories with theirs and to connect um, our stories with this grander story that we're, that, that, that we, that we are, um, that we are living, that we are experiencing, and that's God within us and God amongst, amongst us. Um, and so Laura, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about some of your life stories. Um, you know, we, we have a, a, a big, big overarching life story, and then also our stories are made up of little tiny stories. Um, Laura, would you, would you mind sharing some of your life stories with me? Yeah, sure. Um, well, my story is probably begins similar to um, 
some of us where we grew up in a Christian tradition, uh, in a Christian home, um, and had expectations, whether they were realized upon us by Mm -hmm. our family members or expectations we had of ourselves. Um, There was this level of perfection um, that I aimed for, even as a as a child, you know, I wanted to please, I aimed to please, and I aimed Mm -hmm. to do things well, and to be the good girl that I felt I was expected to live up to. And being ingrained in church fellowship and community, I felt that just carried over to this theme of performance is, is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And so what that did was that created some real obstacles to grace uh, when, when I would hit rough edges in my life, when, when I made choices that weren't healthy choices for me. Um, and as a result of some of that, I then I then let that be a part of the story I told myself about mm-hmm. who I was. Yeah, yeah. So so what story had you internalized about grace that made you think that you needed to achieve? Where do you think that came from? Um, I think that came primarily from uh, if if I am a good girl, I will mm-hmm. not waver. You know, I will turn my eyes upon Jesus and and look full in his face and not fail. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and so when you did fail, yeah, when, when yeah. you did feel, fail, what was that like for you? Well, I think that the behavior then uh, where, where guilt is a healthy thing, behavior then became what dictated who I was. I, mm-hmm. I internalized it to the point and didn't uh, feel like I could have those feelings validated in some of those areas of, of choices in my life, that I then um, began that struggle with shame, uh, shame that kept me locked in and felt here's, here's areas of my life story, whether it was the divorce, whether it was the bad grade because I didn't study and I should have you know, I'm getting this all out of sequence, but you get the point. It could have been something (laughs) small and insignificant behavior that I allowed to be what told me who I was. That was the story I told myself based on some of those principles of be be the good girl. You you are a good girl. Therefore, your behavior must reflect that at all times. Um, my parents never said that to me. The pastor never said that to me. Uh, but but I think that that was my misinterpretation of grace. And yeah. so yeah. So it's I. Sorry, it's fascinating how we internalize things that are never told explicitly to us. Um, just as individuals. And so that that's interesting that that you never actually heard that if you are a good girl, you will be these things and do these things. And then the flip side of that, if you don't do these things, then you are not a good girl, right? That's, that's what, that's what is so easily internalized, that can be so detrimental. Right. And so try to keep your hands on that door of that story and keep it locked out so no one can see that Mm -hmm. that's a part of who you are. Um, That's kind of where I lived for a great number of years. I was in my 40s before I felt that I was in a safe circle of people who I really trusted in a support group that allowed me to 
take my hands off that door. And Mm -hmm. even though those monsters of story came out, no one was alarmed (laughs) and it didn't change the way people saw me. They still saw me as a person worthy of love and grace and acceptance and Mm -hmm. beauty and joy in life. And it was at that time I was able to really embrace my whole story and see how God could use those, even those experiences to, to listen well, you know, to really give people the opportunity to find their own space for grace so that they could hear uh, the spirit within them telling them a different story, you know, a redemption story, um, and not be held under sway of all of that shame and, and, um, all of those negative things we've said and recorded in our minds about who we are. So story, I think, is just extremely important. And, and I'll say, I'll just add this. I, You know, when I listen to sermons, it's really when the pastor gets to a story that I'm really tuned in. So, <laughs> you know? Pastor, uh, listen to this point. If you've checked out, listen back in. Please Lord's giving do. you some preaching feedback. <laughs> please, please to do. Because when I have an opportunity to share it is always story, whether it's a yeah. piece of my story or a piece of someone else's story that's given me permission to share that will connect. Those are where those threads of connection take place. And it's all, it's not only about connecting, it's about building community. And right. we do that through this story and our, as our stories come together. Yeah, these stories, they they interweave with our families, our communities, our neighborhoods, our church. Um, and and it and it creates this larger, larger story that we get to participate in, and 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 that's just so beautiful. Laura, thank you so much for sharing some of your story. Well, you're welcome. And I'd say, you know, it takes a lot of courage um, yeah. to share to share to get to those vulnerable places um, when we find someone we can trust uh, to hear the news, the what we call the bad news of our story. But when mm-hmm. we get to that place, um, that's that's where we find that that place of grace and and love that is now it's real now now that we've owned our story boy it, life just becomes sweeter and with with opportunities to be a part of that caring that caring ministry We hope that you're enjoying this episode from The Caring Congregation on Stories Part 1. Check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for additional resources and information on how you can join us for an upcoming webinar or host your own seminar to train and equip your care ministry team and pastors. We also have two brand new books out, A Care Minister's Manual and Implementation Guide, just released by Abington Press. You can purchase through Abington, Cokesbury, or Amazon. Now, back to our conversation. So, so what about you, Melissa? You, <laughs> well, yeah. I, you know what? My story actually... I, I resonate with with some of your story. I also was raised in a Christian home, raised United Methodist, baptized, confirmed, did all of the things, um, and and w- was kind of I did internalize this the same the same messaging that being being a good girl equates to doing these certain things, and and so I, I totally gave into that and. 
until my high until high school, um, I decided to instead of going to my regular youth group, there was a cute boy at the at another youth group in town. So I went there and oh, um, yeah. yeah, of course. That's 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 <laughs> anybody goes to the youth group, right? Um, so so I went to that youth group and became really involved and um and then my senior year I was you know, trying to be in a leadership position in the youth group. And um, at that point, I was having questions about just how good you had to be, (laughs) right, to be considered good. Um, And I think that's a natural thing at age 17 to kind of start to want to branch out. And um, I I said a four-letter word at, at public school, and they told on me in youth group, and I actually was kicked out of youth group because of it. <laughs> and so so this that was, uh, again, that messaging of internalizing that, like, you have to fit this particular mold to be in, to be worthy of love and beloved, and um, that really did a number on me. Um, how, did you, how did you feel when, when, you know, you got kicked out of youth group? That, that's a big impact on young people. Oh, yeah. It was it was huge. Um, well, I was m- mad. I was very mad first. And and then you peel you peel back those layers of anger. And really what was what was deep down was was shame and feeling. I, I mean, I believed that lie that I wasn't worthy. And, um, you know, I, I was going through some other personal things at the time that that just magnified this. I I was in such need of a safe community that I thought I was I thought I had that, and then the rug was just ripped out from underneath me. And so there was it felt like free falling. Um, you know, people talk about a, a phase of deconstruction in their faith, and that's when I really started picking apart. Well, that's not what this is. That's not right. That's not good. And at that time, I already knew that I was called to ministry. I had I had ex- experienced a call to ministry earlier on in my life, and so I went to college, still believing in that call, but not necessary, not believing in the church really. And so I went to a a Baptist uh, church or a Baptist. Uh, college university where I learned more about biblical studies and um, theology, and that's where I just realized just how Methodist I really am. <laughs> um, but, but during this time, you know, Lori, you asked how I how I felt that that moment in youth group created a um, a wound so deep that even though I was getting my degree in biblical studies, I did not go to church. I could not step foot inside a church because I was so hurt. And so um, there was this dissonance in my life where I was studying God and doing all, you know, doing all of the the mind things, the things up here, um, the homework, and I was living a completely different life. And so, um, so, so I, I graduated college and went to seminary, thinking that I would be a professor of biblical studies, and um, and that's where I started, you know, testing the waters a little bit more. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I do want to serve a little bit more in a local church. And I found a good church. I found one with good community, a, a small group of of young women my age. Um, that was that, that we we really grew together and 
did life together in a really fun and whole, like really great way that helped me grow in my own faith and my own understanding. And so, you know, I was going through this deconstruction period without community for a while. And then I got that and it just completely changed my whole trajectory for, uh, for, for where I was going in my ministry. And so after that, I started to realize I still have this love for the academic side of things, but also I was serving in a local congregation. I was teaching kids in Sunday school, and I just really found a love for that too. And so so that just changed my entire trajectory for um, what I f- believed my call to ministry to be. And so um, it, it's just been this up and down and, and fl- fluid kind of call story that I have, but I just know that God has called me to and I think it goes back to that youth group experience, has called me to be a leader in a community of faith so that no other kid experiences what I experienced. Mm. There, is, there, there is no reason that any child should have been kicked out of a youth group. Um, you know, they they thought I needed to be away from youth, from the youth group, from church or whatever, from leadership in the church so that I could get right with God. And if you can't get right with God in community at a church, where, where can you? Right. And so, so I just, I knew deep down in me that that wasn't, wasn't right. And so, um, so that's been kind of a driver for me. So story is connected to our theology and some of us have grown up hearing poor theology. Right. And and so community, that small women's group that you had, did it did that give you opportunity to kind of listen to other perspectives? Um, was was that a resource or or what what resource has helped you gain that new perspective um, besides the study academic work that you've done? Um sh- yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to to the term you you said earlier, incarnational. I I don't think that y- y- there there's a reason that we say that God became human, and and that is such a central piece to our theology because being with people, with humanity in community is so very important, um, and experiencing that, and so to have a community of young women um, surround me and to see me, right? I see you. I hear you. Um, I had similar experiences or not, right? Here, here we're right. mine. Um, I, I think of um, the, there's a, there's a Ted talk and a, and a blog that, that I think we should add into our show notes. It's uh, the, the danger of a single story. I cannot cannot remember the the speaker's name, but she talks about how it's so important to be exposed to different stories in our lives so that we have a greater perspective of the human experience. And so that's what I think happens when when we are in community and sharing story with other people. Um, we 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 gain a broader view of God's creation, and it's wow. not just all my story, right? Yeah, that's beautiful. We we gain a broader. How did you say it exactly? We gain a broader perspective of creation. God's creation. Yeah, God's creation. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's, that's so seeing that's seeing the image of God in others. It's seeing 
where the where our stories intersect with the divine it's seeing where our stories intersect with each other um and it, it, you just can't get that reading a book right like i mean so that, true <laughs> i mean that's I, right. love, I love books i love books right. but i think that's why we enjoy when we read books, we enjoy the the story books, the the fantasy, the the um, hero's journey type stories where where there is you know conflict and and a hero in the end that that is saves the day and that's why we we want the stories. That's why we watch binge watch Netflix right now. It's because of the stories that they yeah. have to offer. Like we want that. Well, and I, for me, I know that's why the biblical stories often resonate. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I was getting ready to ask you about, was there a certain scripture? Um, uh, you know, you had studied it, you had the head knowledge of scripture, but was there one that spoke to your heart as you journeyed through those wounded times in your life? Well, I think about, so I, I relied on the Psalms a lot, particularly the ones that, is, is it imprecatory? Is that the word that, <laughs> the, the, the ones that, that are harsh, right? Like, right. So, so, so those, those Psalms, they're, they're not necessarily stories, but they're songs that tell a story. Um, and the story behind those songs was a, a story of human pain. And so when, when you can relate to that, it, it brings more meaning. And so I did rely on those Psalms to kind of speak words into the emotions that I was already feeling. But I will say um, my, my favorite story in the Bible is the story of Esther. And I, for such a time as this has been a phrase that continues to just be in my being um, we are in such, I'm going to say it, unprecedented times. We've heard that phrase That's so right. many times, That's but, right. so but it feels, it feels like, like th there is something big happening. There are societal shifts. The, the racial tensions are coming to a head. Our church's divisions are becoming more and more central to how we do ministry. Obviously COVID um, it feels like things are happening <laughs> at this point in time that are big and impactful. And, and so for me, it makes me wonder, I, I feel sometimes like Esther felt, well, who am I to make these changes? This feels dangerous. This feels maybe like a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? Who am I? But mm. also at the same time, Maybe we've come to this, maybe I'm at this point in, in my life to be able to minister for such a time as this. And, and, and so maybe my experiences like getting kicked out of youth group had purpose for such a time as this. So, so, so Esther for me is, is one, um, that, that resonates. My grandmother's name was Esther too. So I've always felt a little drawn to, to Esther's oh, that's story. Laura, what about you? Well, um, yes, I would agree. I, I love the Esther story. And, and I oftentimes will say for such a time as this, but I think when I was at my lowest low, I, I dealt with panic attacks for a decade. Um, at my lowest low, when I when it was extremely dark, I, I felt resonating with the story of the woman at the well. 
Hmm. You know, I, I think there's more to the story. You know, it's kind of that Paul Harvey, you know, we don't get the rest <laughs> of the story because I know their conversation was much more intimate. It had to have been. Um, but, but the fact that Jesus met her right where she were, was, and they both came to the well in need. Yeah. Uh, they were both thirsty. They, 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 they shared certain things that were in common, certain emotions, certain physical needs. And in that moment of authenticity with one another, Jesus connected with her and she connected and her story became a redemption story. Um, she heard a new story that changed her, that energized her, that motivated her to go and share that great news, you know? And, um, and so I, I had that hope always, even in the darkness. Um, but that was coupled with uh, Jeremiah passage, Jeremiah 31 verses two through four. I kept hearing when I was saying, you know, I'm in the pits, I'm at the bottom of the well, you know, it's dark in here. Um, I kept hearing um, that passage where Jeremiah was reminding that God had said in the past, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Mm. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. You are mine. I will build you up again. And then again, he says, again, you will take your symbols. You're going to go out and dance and have a party and you're going to experience joy with the joyful. And even though I didn't feel like that, and I may not have been in the mood for a Bible verse, that that line, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And our world is hungry for that. You know, we've been hit by a pandemic. Um, we've had financial loss, the, ra the, the racial issues, everything that you just mentioned um, is a part of the new story we're living into. Yeah. And we don't know how that story is going to unfold, but there is a time such as this for us to unite our stories together and say, you know what? We don't know what the future holds. Oh yes. It looks a little grim, but we are the light because the light is within us. We are mm -hmm. filled with that spirit of light. And again, God will draw us into that place where we'll pick up our instruments. We will dance together and we will find joy. I believe that because that is part of the untold story that's waiting to unfold in our lives. Preach. That's so good, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thank you so much for sharing your your heart and your story with me today. I, you know, I think it's so important for our listeners, you know, um, you and I are both um, ordained deacons, and so we have gone through paperwork and interviews that have um, encouraged us and encourage us to tell our stories. And so, yeah. so sometimes it can feel daunting. Like if you're thinking about, if you're a listener and you're thinking, okay, I'm a lay person, I want to be able to tell my story. How can I do that? Well, um, when you think about telling stories and, and kind of like figuring out where you're going with your story, Lord, do you have any suggestions for somebody who might be thinking about putting, like being able to tell their story? Right. So I, I would suggest, as I did when I was lay person long before I became a, an ordained deacon, I went to counseling. Mm -hmm. um, it was suggested for me. And so I found a mentor that was someone that I knew had training. And, and I leaned into that. And that's where I began peeling away some of those false stories and images about myself that I identified as being who I was so that I could rediscover the person that I was created to be um, and live into a brighter story. Um, so, so that would be one suggestion. The other is support groups. Mm -hmm. um, 
some of us, I don't even think can connect with our stories. We don't even know what that story is because we've been in the entrapment of keeping it bottled up for so long or covered up for so long. We don't know what that real image is. And so I think sometimes support groups are a great place where we can just sit and listen. We don't have to say anything at first. We can listen to other people. So we become comfortable in realizing, hey, they're trusting one another as they share their stories. Maybe this will be a safe place for me as well. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I do want to share um, a a book that I really love. So there's a book called What's Your Story? Seeing Your Life Through God's Eyes. It's by Reverend Sarah Heath. I'm a fangirl. Um, And she what she does is she takes Joseph's story from the Old Testament and has created a paradigm for which she thinks about her own story and invites you to think about your own story. So she so so it's Joseph in the Old Testament and also Joseph Campbell who talks about the hero's journey and how there um there is this call to adventure and uh, plot devices, and there's a there is a, a almost like a framework for a hero's journey, and so she takes that and and it's it's a it, it there's reading to do in here, and then there's also these really cool pages that are like illustrated. That's kind of like a journal to help you craft your own story, which oh, is really cool. Yeah, it's a really really neat book with with lists and and doodles and and so so if you're if you're looking for a resource to just practice in addition to um you know groups and and listening to other stories this is a really great resource um for you to kind of work through as you as you think about making sense of your stories that's great that's wonderful thanks thanks for that suggestion yeah. Well, Laura, it, it was so great, great to talk to you um, today. Thank you so much for sharing. It's so powerful. Um, I feel like I learned more about you, even though we're we're close. I feel like we grew closer in just our, us sharing our stories today. And so um, I just want to thank you for, for, for this time and to encourage those who are listening to, um, to share your story this week um, and listen to other stories and see where um, your story might intersect with someone else's and how those stories might intersect with the divine story that we are living today. Absolutely. Laura, would you mind, would you mind praying for us today? Sure. I'd love to. Oh, God of love and grace, God whose story unfolds moment by moment, day by day in our lives. We thank you that you have created us in your beautiful, perfect image. We thank you that you are the God of second chances and that you know where we are. You know our journey. You know our stories through and through. And yet you come out of a need to connect with us and for us to connect with you as Jesus to the woman at the well. We thank you, God, that our stories are yet to be finished, but that we have a grand opportunity to have those past stories where maybe we're telling things that about ourselves that really aren't true. Or we hide those parts of our stories because we're afraid we'll, we'll be found to be unworthy of your grace and your love and the, the calling that you've placed on our hearts. So God, I pray that you would give each one of us an opportunity to seek the help that we need uh, to find the courage to reach out 
and uh, allow ourselves to be vulnerable in those places where we need to expose some of those past hurts, those places of our story that trip us up and keep us from living into the full story you have for us to experience uh, where we find meaning and purpose and new perspective and new insight. We pray for the healing of damaged emotions. We pray for new insight. We pray for the ability for each one of us to find a place to connect, to find that common denominator that links links us together in community. We thank you for the indwelling of your Holy Spirit that calls us into being very present in a time such as this. In all the holy names of God, we pray. today for the first of two episodes about the power of your story. Be sure to check out our website, thecaringcongregation.com, for more resources and information on seminars and our newly released books. Be sure to like and share this episode and subscribe to this channel. Join us next week as we explore part two of our stories with Reverend Karen and Reverend Joy. Until then, may God bless you and keep you.